0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, and we are kicking off a series called Momentum Moments, Momentum Moments moments. We're going to track along with the life and ministry of Christ throughout the Gospels, and we're going to look at his decisions and his habits and some of the significant moments in the life of Jesus that really propelled him forward. Everybody say momentum. I want you to write that down somewhere. Momentum. What is momentum? You know, if you played sports, how many of you know that one play can change the game. Just one play. Maybe it's a three-point shot that's hit at just the right time. How many ballers do we have out there? Oh, yeah, man. You spot up and you hit that three-pointer. Boom! Crowd goes crazy. The momentum begins to shift. Maybe you played football. If there's an interception or a fumble or some sort of turnover, you can feel the trajectory of the game begin to change all because of one play. Somebody say one play. You know what? But it also can change with one decision. You know, momentum can work for you or it can work against you. Can I have a good amen? If you're on the wrong side of momentum, a coach will call a timeout because momentum is working against him. He's trying to shift the dynamics of a game. Some of you are coaches. Maybe you'll, you'll not only call a timeout, but you'll substitute a player. Or you'll call a trick play. Remember when the Saints were in the Super Bowl and they started the second half with that onside kick? That was awesome. That was a momentum changer. Sometimes, and even in like the game of basketball, a coach will get a technical foul. Man, he'll be yelling at the refs and it, to try to fire up his team. You know, this momentum, it's an interesting dynamic. One play, one decision, maybe just one action. Have you ever tried to clean out your closet and just felt depressed? yeah you you walk in there and you you just stare at it you know you need to do something but you don't even know where to start come on somebody and so you think man why am I even I'm just going to put it off how many of you procrastinate yeah raise your hand if you procrastinate Yeah, some of you going to raise your hand next week because you're procrastinating right now One play, one decision, one action. This thing called momentum is powerful. And we're going to see in today's text, in Matthew chapter 3, the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry and how he got started. I do want to say this. Momentum, you know, obviously it works for you. It can work against you. Some of you need to put on the brakes right now and you need to change some things in your life. Some of you are believing God that this will be the catalyst for a new season for you. If you don't like the direction that you're going, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can make some changes. Can I have a good amen? I just want to encourage you and tell you there's something significant about spiritual momentum. When you have spiritual mojo, come on, turn to your neighbor and ask them, you got the mojo? When you have spiritual mojo, it changes everything. It affects your relationships. When you're doing well spiritually, how many of you know your relationships are better? Man, when you have spiritual momentum, it impacts your finances, it impacts your your children, your family, your future. I'm just believing that over the next several weeks, as we talk about momentum moments with the Savior, that this is going to spark something in you that you desperately need to move your life forward in a direction that honors Him. You know, the truth is this, everybody ends up somewhere somewhere. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. And I'm just believing that I'm looking at a group of people, that I'm talking to a spiritual family who believes that God has divine purpose for their life. Everybody's going to end up somewhere, but we're going to be people who end up somewhere on purpose. In Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 13, now let me give you some context here. This is a, a, a famous moment. This is a very familiar moment in the life of Jesus. But just to give you some context, it's interesting to me how from the time of the Old Testament to the time of the New Testament, there are 400 years of silence. From the last Old Testament prophet until the the ministry of Jesus, Israel has not had one word from the Lord. Now, Jesus is born, and we know a lot about his birth. We celebrate that at Christmas. You know, he was born in Bethlehem. You know, he was born to the parents of Joseph and Mary, and there he was in that stable full of farm animals and very humble beginnings. You know, angels appeared, shepherds worshipped. There were wise men that traveled a great distance to bring him gifts. We are very familiar with his birth. And there's one incident the gospel shares about Jesus' life when he's 12 years old. His parents forgot him. <laughs> Come on, moms, dads, have you ever forgot a child? <laughs> yeah. You feel better when you read the fact that, okay, they're worshiping in the temple and they leave, and, well, you know, Joseph and Mary, and they're a few days into their journey, like, hey, where's Jesus? Well, I thought you had him. Well, I thought you had him. How many of you know it's a bad day when you leave Jesus? Forgot it. Okay, a whole lot is written about Jesus at his birth. There's that one incident, that one little episode when he's 12, and then you hear nothing about him until he's 30 years old. Nothing. The silent years. I want to take just a moment to set this up in a way that's going to help you appreciate what's about to happen. What was Jesus doing when he was seven years old? When he was 15 years old? When he was 22? 28, the Bible doesn't speak a single word. These are the silent years. And some of you are here today and you feel like nothing is happening. You feel like every day is the same. There's nothing significant. What am I doing with my life? Am I truly making a difference? Does anybody see? Does anybody know? Does anybody care? Come on, somebody, talk to me. You're going to go through some silent years. But watch this. Even when you feel that nothing is happening, something is happening. It may not look like much. It may not sense like anything is going on. Jesus himself went through some silent years. But I'm going to tell you this. Those years of seemingly insignificance were very important for the ministry that Jesus was going to walk in. It took 30 years of preparation to bring Jesus to this moment. Are you with me? When it feels like nothing's happening, something is happening. God's getting you ready. Look at what it says in verse 13. Then Jesus, he went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now, John was an interesting dude. John was a different fella. How many of you work with people that are different? Yeah, the, the, John dressed differently. He wore like camel skin and a leather belt. He had a weird diet. He would eat locust and wild honey. And he lived out in the wilderness. How many of you know that, that kind of sounds like a like a reality TV show just waiting to happen. John comes on the scene. He's a different guy, but he's been baptizing people in the Jordan River. And the Bible says when Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, verse 14, John tried to talk him out of it. How many of you know you'll have some well-meaning people that will try to help you and talk you out of some things that you know God has called you to do? Can I have a better amen? Amen. John's like, whoa, wait, no, no, no. I don't think you should be here. I'm not the one to be baptizing you. Look at what it says. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Verse 15. But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires so John agreed to baptize him. I want to, I want to stop right here and give you this first thought as it relates to building momentum. It all starts with obedience. Some might say obedience. This is big. Why were people getting baptized? Well, because they heard the message of John and they were repenting of their sins. John was baptizing sinners who had received the message of the gospel, repented, and wanted to become followers of this way. John was used to baptizing sinners. I'll baptize him. He's a sinner. Yeah, that's a, man, uh, Jim is bad. John is even worse than Jim. Man, this guy's terrible. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus with no sin. In sinless perfection, wanting to be baptized. And, And John's like, no, 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 this is all wrong. If anybody should be getting baptized by anyone, I should be getting baptized by you. And what did Jesus say? He said, no. This is not about you, John. This is about me being obedient to the Father. It's about obedience. This is to fulfill all righteousness. You see, Jesus knew that he was on a mission, and he was on a mission from God. And I want you to know, church, that God has placed you here in this moment, in this time in human history. He's placed you here, connected you to this house, For such a time as this, and you are on kingdom assignment, you have a mission. Don't let people try to talk you out of that. man. When you know you've been called by God, you've been gifted, you have an assignment, it's our responsibility to obey what God has told us to do. Jesus was getting baptized out of obedience to what the Father had commanded. Now, here's what I love about baptism. Baptism is an amazing picture. Baptism is, first of all, about going public. Come on. How many of you know that when you say you love Jesus, it's important that everybody knows? How How many married couples do we have in the house? Okay, when you got engaged, fellas, when you gave her that rock, when you put that ring on her finger, how many of you, you wanted her to tell all of her friends what had happened? Now, if, 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 if you, you ask her to marry you and she takes the ring, but she's ashamed to show it to anybody, how many know that's not a good day? Man, look, you, you want her posting pictures on social media. You want her calling up all of her girlfriends. She's got to show up the really? <laughs> Man, you, you got to announce it. Man, when I got engaged, I wanted Rachel to tell all her friends, look, hey, I am your hunk of hunk of burning love. I belong to you, girl. You belong to me. We're going public. Come on, somebody. My girl's looking good today, too. Check that ring, it's still working. This ring is a public profession that says, hey, I'm committed. I'm connected. Baptism is about going public with your faith. And what's interesting, it's not just about making this announcement, but when you go under the water, it's a picture of death. Check this out. It's symbolic of not only the the death of Jesus on the cross, but it also speaks to us dying to the things of our past. Come on, are you with me today? How many of you have some things in your past that you just want dead and buried? Man, we don't need to talk about it. Don't need to think about it. See, the devil trying to drag it up and torment you with it, trying to harass you with some of those things. But when you're in Christ, when you say yes to Jesus, not only are you going public with your love for him, you want the world to know, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I want everyone to know. (sighs) But you're saying, I'm dead to the person that I used to be. Uh, Look, look, don't judge me by my past. I don't live there anymore. The things that I wanted to do before I came to know Christ, I don't even want to do those things anymore. Those desires have died in Jesus' name. Going under the water is symbolic of death. We have died to our past. And coming up out of the water, it says new life. It says resurrection power. It says there's a new beginning. Come on, is anybody catching this today? That's why baptism is such a big deal. It announces to the world that we love Jesus. It shows that we have died to our own selfish desires. Whatever happened to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me? Man, somewhere in the the message of of salvation, that's gotten lost in modern church world. But we're saying, look, I'm dead to the things of of my past, but I'm alive in Jesus. There's a new beginning. And Jesus, he, he, he takes this step of obedience and sets the example for all of us. Obedience for us. In fact, I want you to write down the word obedience. Write that down somewhere. And then look in the middle of that word. What's what's in the very middle of the word obedience? O B E D I E. Die. Right in the middle of obedience is the word die. Now look at the word die. D I E. What's in the middle of of die? I. You see, the I has to die in order for Christ to live within us. We obey, and, and I want you to see this. It's not just out of duty. But hopefully, it's out of desire. Why do we obey the Lord? Hopefully, it's not, well, I just have to. Hopefully, you're you're at church today. You're participating in worship this morning, not because you have to, but because you want to. Why do we obey the Lord? It's not because he makes us, well, I just got to do what the Bible says. (sighs) Listen, if that's the attitude, you might as well go ahead and just live your own life then. How many are not bringing any glory to God by doing it out of duty? It's it, we don't obey God out of simply duty, but it's got to move to desire. Lord, I want to be pleasing to you, God. I want to do the things that bring honor to you. I want to honor you in my marriage. I want to honor you in my children. I want to honor you on my job. I want to honor you in my friendships, how I spend my money, and how I spend my time. God, I, I want to honor you. There's a desire. Philippians says this, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Isn't that a good verse? That God's working in you, giving you the motivation, the desire, and the power to obey. You know, when we obey God, our life is blessed. But when we live selfishly, our life is a mess. Come on, help me. Can I say that again? When you obey God, your life is blessed. When you live for yourself, your life is a mess. If we want God's blessing, we got to do it God's way. Come on, don't patty cake if you believe that. Let me ask you this question What, what do you want God to bless in your life? Keenan is everything. Okay, guess what? Let's obey God in everything then. If we want our money to be blessed, let's obey God with it. If we want our relationships to be blessed, let's obey God in it. If we want our children to be blessed, okay, how do we obey God in raising our kids? How many know sometimes you got to say no to the things that your kids want? No, no, no. I don't care what your other friends are doing. We're going to obey God. Come on, somebody. Why? You want a blessing for those kids. So you want God's blessing. You're going to do it God's way. Some of you are like, well, Mike, I've been obeying God, but my life's not blessed yet. Watch this. If you're not blessed, then it's simply a test. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Keep obeying. Don't unplug now. Well, I've been trying to do it God's way, and I don't see his blessing. Hey, it's coming. Stay faithful. It's simply a test. Jesus came to be baptized out of obedience. Now notice what it says here, verse 16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Second thing I want you to write down is this. Write down Holy Spirit. Notice the picture of the Holy Spirit. This is the first Picture we see of the Holy Spirit in the life and ministry of Jesus. Now notice, the Bible says, the heavens were opened up. That's a sign that something significant is happening. When God opens the heavens, how many know something special is getting ready to take place? I thought about this. Uh, you know, summers in Louisiana are so hot. How many of you have had to fuss at your kids for leaving the door open? Man, if I heard that once, if I had a dollar for every time I heard my mom or dad yell at me, son, close the door. What do you think I'm trying to do? Cool the whole neighborhood. Shut the door. Close the door. In and out, in and out, in and out. Make a decision. How many of you, your parents ever just kicked you out and locked the door? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Man, I'm paying for that air conditioning. Close the door. Why? Because when the door's opened, what's inside spills out. Now, watch this. When the doors of heaven open, what's up there spills out and comes down here. Now, here's what's interesting. How did the doors of heaven open? Well, they were unlocked through the obedience of Jesus. What's the key to unlock the doors of heaven? It's your obedience. That's the key. Now, all of a sudden, the doors are open, and what's up there comes down here. Notice what was descending upon Jesus was a dove. That's the picture of the Holy Spirit. How many of you want the Holy Spirit involved in your life? Lord, open up the doors of heaven and let what's up there come down here. Listen, if Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit for his ministry, how much more do we need the help of the Holy Spirit in ours? Can I have a good amen? You see, a few quick things here. I want you to see this, and I I don't have time to really develop this. This could be a a series in and of itself. But I want to talk to you about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know what the Holy Spirit will do? When you have an active, ongoing, moment-by-moment relationship with the holy spirit there's some pretty special things that happen the bible refers to the holy spirit as a counselor a counselor how many's ever been in a situation in your life where you just needed some advice i don't know what to do a counselor will give you wisdom knowledge insight and understanding. Maybe there's a situation happening at your work. Maybe there's something with a, a friendship that's gotten sideways. Maybe there's a family dynamic and you don't know necessarily how to fix it. When you have the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit inside of you, there is counsel that comes with that. There, there will be a, an aha moment. You couldn't fix it in the natural, but God gave you something supernatural. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is a genius? The Holy Spirit knows how to make you look smarter than what you really are. Can somebody say amen? So, so when the when the windows, the doors of heaven are open and the power of the Holy Spirit comes down, you have supernatural counsel. He's a counselor. The Bible also says he's a comforter. Oh, and I love this because we live in desperate days, in difficult days. Some of you are fighting tremendous battles. Some of you have faced loss. You have lost loved ones. You've experienced tremendous pain. The person of the Holy Spirit brings comfort to you. It brings encouragement to you. I know sometimes we look for that in other people, but the source of encouragement is really the Holy Spirit. And, and God will use people. He'll use friends and family members and pastors and leaders and small group members. But notice this, that encouraging word that came from that individual was inspired by the Holy Spirit. I was talking to somebody just this week and they're, they're I mean, for the last six weeks they have battled tremendous anxiety. Just, I mean, out of nowhere and just in a, in a, just in a fight for her, her spiritual and emotional health. And, and one night I, I was, I, I, I don't even know what I was doing, but the Lord dropped her in my spirit. And so I sent her a text. And some of you have had this happen to you. At just the right time, you get a text from Somebody. Or you get a phone call or or you, you run into somebody and you think it's coincidence. How many of you know there's no such thing as coincidence in the kingdom? Man, it is divine appointment. And she came back and said, do you know, at just the right time, I got a text from you and another friend. And that was God's way of reminding me that I am not forgotten. You know, the Holy Spirit will not only counsel you, the Holy Spirit will comfort you. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is a helper. Uh, How many of you need help in your life? How many need help as a parent? How many needs help on your job? How many of you, you need help acting like Jesus when you drive on the roads? There we go. There we go. Help! You know what? That's probably the most famous prayer, the number one prayer that every believer has prayed. When you don't even know how to pray, Lord, help! And here comes the Holy Ghost. And you know what he's saying? I got exactly what you need. I got the tools. I got the, the weapons, the armor. Whatever it is that you need, it's coming your way. And I can get you back on track. He's a helper. He's an intercessor. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26, for when you don't even know how to pray as you should. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you, you knew you needed to pray, but you didn't know what to say? You didn't even know how to verbalize what what it was, but something was happening. The Bible says when you don't know how to pray as you should, the Spirit himself will pray for you and intercede for you with groanings that can't even be uttered. Come on, somebody. Man, he's praying through you the perfect prayer to the Father on your behalf. He's an intercessor. He's an advocate. Come on, are you catching this? Oh, this is important. He's an advocate. He will speak on your behalf. He will plead your case. And watch this. He'll give you the right words at the right time. Jesus told his disciples, hey, when you're on trial, fighting for your life, don't even think what you should say. For in that moment, the Spirit himself will place the right words in your mouth. Aren't you thankful that we have an advocate in the Holy Spirit of God? The Bible says, come on, somebody's excited. Praise the Lord. I am too. Not only is that, but he's, he's our strength. He's our strength. The Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts eight, and you shall receive power. Somebody say power. That word is dunamis in the Greek. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes up on you. And you know where his strength works best? In your weakness. How many of you have a, a lot of weakness? <laughs> I do. I get to talk to God about my weakness, and he sends the Holy Spirit with a little bit of strength. I'm so thankful for that. The Bible says, uh, Jesus reminded us, I tell you the truth, any, in John 14, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to my Father. You know what? When you have the help of the Holy Spirit, you look at the life and ministry of Jesus. He says, hey, the things I did, you can do also, and even greater. How I know mean, that's a big deal. Greater works. You don't have to live by your flesh. You can live by the Spirit. Remember when the kids were small, playing in the backyard, we had a swing set. I think it may have been Alexa. And I don't know where she got this whistle, but she was blowing that whistle like crazy. Blowing the whistle, and she's Dad, get over here. Is everything okay? Uh, uh, yes, sir. Look, when I blow this whistle one time, it means I want to swing, and so you have to push me, okay? And when I blow that whistle two times, it means I'm ready to stop, and I want to go down the slide. And then when I blow that whistle three times, then you need to take me to the trampoline because I want to jump on a trampoline. I'm like, girl, give me that whistle. Every time she's blowing that whistle, she thinks, Dad has to come running. Listen, your flesh will blow a whistle. And it may say, okay, I should be angry. Just because your flesh blows the whistle of anger doesn't mean you have to comply. Uh, your, Your flesh will blow a whistle saying, I'm offended. Can we talk about offense just for a little bit? We live in a culture of perpetual offense. I can't believe he said that. She said that. Well, they wore that. They did that. Can you believe? I'm just offended. And your flesh is blowing this whistle. And it's like, give me that whistle. I'm not going to comply when my flesh blows the whistle. I'm not led by my flesh. I'm led by the spirit. I'm going to walk in love. I don't have to worry or be anxious. All these emotions that my flesh tells me. Are you catching this today? Jesus was baptized. That was a step of obedience. And then the windows, the doors of heaven were opened and the dove came down. Notice what it says here. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Somebody said, great joy. Not only was Jesus obedient, not only was he empowered with the Holy Spirit, but I want you to see this last thing, number three. Notice what God said in affirmation. Notice what the father said as he affirmed his son. This is big. In in fact, this moment was so important to the father that he didn't want anybody to miss it. He said, okay, announcement, announcement. Hey, everybody, listen up. Not only did the power of the Holy Spirit come down, but there was a voice from heaven that said, Three things. Hey, this is my son. He belongs to me. Guess what? Number two, I love him. So proud of him. My goodness, I want everybody to know. He belongs to me and I love him. And in him, I am well pleased. No, notice the three things. First of all, identification. It's my son. Notice secondly, validation, the one that I love. Notice number three, affirmation. He, and him, I'm well pleased. He pleases me. Now, what's fascinating, I want you to notice this. God the Father gave this announcement over his son before Jesus had done anything. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Nobody really knew who he was until this moment. Jesus had never raised anybody from the dead. He didn't open not a single blinded eye. I Man, there was no miracle of, of, of feeding multitudes. I Man, there, there was no great sermon that people were like, ah, oh. Jesus hadn't done a single thing. And yet God the Father said, He belongs to me. I love him. I'm pleased with him. This ought to set some of us free. Because some of you, I just sense in my spirit, some of you are struggling with how you see yourself. You have spent a large portion of your life trying to earn something that in all honesty, none of us deserve, but what the grace of God gives This is not based on what you do. I read this again this week, and man, God convicted me to my core because I spent a large portion of my life feeling like I had to do something to earn something. I really did. I had to prove something to somebody. And you know what? That's a miserable way to live life. I had to work hard enough, I had to be enough, I had to do enough to show, okay, you know what? I can do this. I deserve to be loved. I deserve to be respected. And I'm on this treadmill trying to do something to prove something to somebody. God reminded me, hey, Jesus didn't do a single thing. And I spoke the blessing of sonship over him simply because he's mine. And you know the joy is for those of us who are in Christ— You name the name of Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, everything God spoke over his son, he says the same about you. Come on. did you hear that? That's a big deal because some days you get up and you don't feel good about yourself. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus suffer, bleed, and die on a cross so that you could feel rotten about yourself all day? You know what we need? We need a better word. We need a different word. That thought, that feeling, that message, you got to cancel that from your mind. And you got to know that when you're in Christ, you are blessed with everything that the Father spoke over his son. Hey, this, <laughs> you belong to me. I love you and I'm pleased with your life. You receive that today. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.